Paula Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PalaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here's WTMJ's Jane Mattenair and Carol Kane. We are back for one more day. Scott Morris, who is hilarious and intelligent and just a wonderful host. Scott Morris is going to be in for Jeff tomorrow and Friday. Jeff, of course, will be back on Monday. We're going to stay in fluid here on the show as the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial just went to break. They're taking lunch right now. Mm -hmm. We will be prepared to rejoin that uh, when they are back from that. But right now we're going to get a little update on some pretty explosive proceedings from this morning. It's been quite the morning there, Mike. From the WTNJ Breaking News Center, Mike Spaulding. Yeah, Jane and Carol, it has uh, been quite explosive, very emotional. Um, You heard Eric during the news there play the moments of Kyle Rittenhouse um, breaking down before he got to the point to where he talked about shooting uh, and killing Joseph Rosenbaum. I think the whole entire morning seems somewhat of a surprise to many. Um, we had figured that Rittenhouse was going to take the stand in his own defense at some point. Um, this has moved along quickly, which I don't know what that says what that for either the prosecution or the defense, but um, it, it seems like it's all on track to, to come to an end here this week, as they've said since the very beginning. But, uh, no, getting to the testimony itself, yeah, no, quite explosive. Um, we had Rittenhouse getting um, or called to the stand by his defense team. Mark Richards was the one questioning him. They talked for about 45 minutes, about mainly about the incidents of that night. They did talk about why was he in Kenosha to begin with, and Rittenhouse said, as we saw the photos of him cleaning up uh, graffiti, and he said he was there to offer first aid for anyone uh, that needed it, and then the defense, or then the prosecution, sorry, took over and seemed, I don't want to say unprepared, because I'm not in the room with them, uh, it, it just seemed like they were not ready necessarily to start this today. Uh, or, or, or focus. It didn't seem particularly focused. Yeah, a lot of background into who he is, you know, what, what he was doing in the days and weeks leading up to Kenosha, the the purchase of the gun, um, all those types of things. It took up until maybe 15 or so minutes ago before they went to lunch to actually get to the night in question that 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 we're here to to really discuss. So I don't know what that says. You know, I'm not an attorney, but I don't know what that says about their their plans or whatever it is. But um, the deputy DA was uh, admonished, I guess you could say, putting it lightly. I think that's putting it very lightly. The judge was visibly angry. Yeah, and it goes back to the unfocused questioning he was bringing up um issues that that or conversations that Kyle Rittenhouse had with his friends in the weeks leading up to the trial and, and Judge Schrader said basically we talked about this beforehand and we weren't going to bring this up uh, he did it twice and at that point about 25 minutes ago or so he sent the jury out of the room uh, and then they had a very animated back and forth about what can and cannot be uh, brought up or, or, or allowed in the courtroom. So this has definitely been the most high profile and, and highly tense situation that we've had uh, in the past 10 days. I wonder to a certain extent about the possibility, and I don't mean this to be, you know, against the prosecution, but, you know, may, their inexperience with something of this magnitude might kind of come into play. You know what I mean? And the fact that not, 
you said not focused, Jane, but also maybe just not expecting what is happening. You know, that they just didn't expect, you know, I know that the, I was asking Eric where the defense attorney, and he says he's from out of state, you know, you might bring some big guns in and it's just like, holy crap, I wasn't prepared for this. But isn't that their job? Well, it's is their, to, it is right. to be prepared for even things that are unforeseen. You, you, I, I would think you'd sit around and say, what could come up? What could, you know, what, what arguments are they going to make? What, de- what defenses are they going to put forward? You have to anticipate some of that, don't you? Yeah, the question. I think that are going to come up when this trial does come to an end and a verdict is is handed down is were the charges did the charges fit what actually happened obviously they're going for first degree intentional homicide which uh, is the worst the the, the highest level of yeah crime you can commit did the video that we've seen the prosecution present and the jury see does that live up to it and did the narrative live up to it I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. It just does not seem like the charges fit what we've seen and heard yet. And it'll be interesting to see what the jury uh, ends up deciding with. But I, it doesn't seem to be going the way the prosecution, I don't think, thought yeah. it was going to go. No no doubt about it. Well, thank you for that recap, Mike Spaulding. Again, we are monitoring uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. The jury has just been adjourned for lunch. Mm-hmm. So we think that's going to be about 45 minutes or so. And we will be rejoining the coverage uh, once the trial resumes. Otherwise, in the interim, we're going to switch gears a little bit. I understand that there was a large announcement made this morning yeah. about, about the WTMJ Wisconsin's morning news. I understand that happened too. Um, I, uh, you know, we've all been here at work. We've all been wondering exactly, you know, what was going to be the plan because we knew that Gene was leaving. He had made that announcement earlier this year right. and he said he's going to be done early next year. And so it's just like, you know, those are big shoes to fill. Huge shoes to fill. Yeah, those are big, big shoes to fill. And so we've all kind of like, you know, off the air, we'd be like, well, what's going on? Who do you think know? it's going to be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, we all had our speculations. Um, this surprised me, though. I wasn't expecting Vince uh, to cross over. Well, that's a that's a good cliffhanger. We're going to go to break, and then we'll have more details about who's going to be stepping into Gene Miller's shoes on Wisconsin's Morning News. That's right after this on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff is off. He'll be back on Monday. Carol and Jane filling in for today. Scott Morris, who is wonderful. I highly encourage you to join him tomorrow and Friday as he fills in for Jeff from noon to three. Um, we are monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial going on in Kenosha. We will be rejoining it live once the jury returns from lunch. In the meantime, though, there was big, big, big news this yeah. morning. Longtime TMJ4 morning news anchor Vince Vetrano will be stepping into the shoes of the one and only Gene. Miller, and uh, we just want to share a little bit of what that sounded like once I can find the file. Give me just a moment. I have so many screens open, I can't even tell what I'm doing. <laughs> Here we go. This is what happened this morning about uh, 6, uh, 6.45. You were listening earlier this morning at 6.41 or watching TMJ4 at 6.41. You heard the big news. My successor has been named. The new host of Wisconsin's Morning News is sitting right next to me, Vince Vetrano. Hey, dude. Uh, good morning, Gene. What's news today? Here we are. <laughs> Isn't it weird being like 
that. Well, <laughs> as you probably experienced when you made your announcement about retiring those months ago to, to come on TV this morning and say, well, I have some news about me today, which it was an uncomfortable spot to be in. But we, uh, joyous news, and I'm really excited to be over here. Well, we're glad to have you. This is a great choice. You and I have been buds for years in the hallways here, and I've always respected your work on TV. You're a award-winning journalist and also just a really, really fabulous host on uh, the morning show on TMJ4. People are going to see a new side of you that we in the building are very familiar with the fact that you're a whole lot of fun and when you don't have to <laughs> when you don't have to be reading off a script you are one of the funniest people and and the most and i mean this as a compliment the most average guy yeah, thanks, Gene. I've met a lot of people in this business, and, and, and you know some people have a toot about themselves. They take themselves really seriously. And, and you're a professional to the letter P, but you're also just one of us. And I think that's what you're going to be a perfect choice and a perfect host in here because you've got those Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin sensibilities. You're from here. You know here. You don't have to be trained up on how to say kinnikinnik. You know the, <laughs> the lay of the newsland, and you're a lot of fun to be with. Oh, thank you, my friend. That means a lot. Um, if you'll allow the love fest to continue just for another moment you know first of all all hail gene miller he is the chief and he needs hailing uh it was funny we're so on tv you know they put the little graphic underneath and, and right. we had some video of you as i made the announcement this morning and I'm, I'm walking out to the studio and my executive producer says you know for the super you know that little graphic she goes, right. do i put like vince vitrano replaces and i no nope, stop <laughs> not replaces um so uh Wow. Follow in your footsteps, succeed you, but uh, none will replace you, Gene. And I, I right back at you in terms of uh, who you've been in my life and uh, a friend and a mentor and someone I've always looked up to. So really an honor when I go out there and sell this because I was like, why do you want to do radio instead of TV? And all I have to say is it's the job that Gene Miller has. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense because it's a big deal. So uh, truly, Gene, uh, an honor and to, to hear you say those nice things uh, really really means a lot. Vince Vetrano going to be taking over for the one and only Gene Miller uh, sometime later next year. Sometime next year. Right. Uh, Gene, I think, is aiming for uh, towards the end of February. His birthday is a uh, – he'll be 65. I think it's February 26th. I should know this by now. Um, but, yeah, I uh, would think so. You've been working with him for <laughs> God knows how long. Six James. years. Um, but I just think it's a wonder – and we were – we're all surprised and weren't in on this process, this selection process. But I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful next step for Wisconsin's morning news. Well, I do, too. I think uh, I, maybe something you don't know. When he was talking about how funny Vince is, it's absolutely hands on. I remember it was I don't know how many years ago it was. Uh, we had there was a show that we were sponsoring down at the Riverside or the Pabst or something like that. And we had comedians to for our listeners. Sure. Vinny was the opening act. Oh, man. Vinny was the opening act. <laughs> he came out and absolutely did a half an hour, 40 minutes of killer material. He was hilarious. So not only is he reputable when it comes to the news and, and being a professional in that regard, he is so flibbing funny and entertaining and he's going to bring that really warm that kind of warmth comedy warm comedy to the morning show too which is great and that continues gene's tradition because gene is one of the funniest people too that i've ever known and is also just a guy and a guy that you'd like to have a beer with and a guy you'd like to sit down and and hang out with and i think vince is just a, a natural again to to step yeah. in and continue that on i'm telling you and you know how it is with our state and and listeners they don't like change 
Right. No, really? No. This is very... <laughs> change can be very difficult. Change so is hard. This is not... It's not a change... Because, Vinny, and don't take this the wrong way, Vince, because you know that I, I think you're great. Um, Vinny is like that warm, comfortable slipper. He's just moving over from TV. I know him. I like him. Exactly. Right? It's not a new... Uh, unknown who's stepping in, who's got to prove his credentials. And like Gene said, that he can pronounce Economawak and uh, Shaquamagon Forest and all those things. Uh, Vince is so plugged into the community right. and local charities. And uh, again, I just think I just think it's a it's a brilliant move forward. I think so, too. I think he will do. And, you know, I hope he has a long tenure here. You know, I really do. He's, I don't know how old he is. He's not that old. I know he's younger than we are. Oh, but. well, most people are <laughs> <laughs> at this point in our lives. <laughs> it's a very short list of people who are older than we are. Yeah. But um, so I th- and he brings he brings that Wisconsin mentality. He brings he's got a great family. He's going to talk about his kids he's and very, his wife. Very and, active on social media. Exactly. Um, we're going to continue this. Uh, we got to go to break right now, though. Uh, it's Jane and Carol, Carol and Jane filling in for Jeff on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff is back on Monday. Jane and Carol with you until 3 o'clock today. Scott Warris will be in tomorrow and Friday, and he is wonderful and hilarious. And speaking of wonderful and hilarious, in case you missed it this morning, longtime TMJ for morning news anchor Vince Vetrano will be slipping in to the Wisconsin yep. morning news chair when Gene retires next year. You know what else is nice, too? I know you, you've got a story about Vinny, but um, I probably shouldn't be calling him Vinny. He probably hates that. But... Um, he doesn't have to worry about the hours. He's been doing that. <laughs> right? He's used that, to it. That, I mean, that is a brutal, as you well know, brutal shift. And I even think television is even more brutal because you have to look human. One, no. of, the re- one yeah. of the reasons why I went into radio is because I could wear a baseball cap on really bad days and it wouldn't make any difference. But if you're on television, you have to look alert. We only have to sound alert. Right, right. No makeup, no, you don't have to put, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always kind of dress up for work just because I never knew when a client was going to walk in the door. Sure. But I mean, putting on what I put on and putting on a suit and a tie is a completely different, you know, I'm just basically looking for the shirt that doesn't have a stain on the front. (laughs) (laughs) Or not an an obvious one. (laughs) Yeah. Where he's, you know, going and getting the suit and the tie and the whole kit and caboodle. And looking slick. And and I think he shared a, a little bit earlier with Gene this morning. And Gene pointed out, too, television is a different skill set in that you are largely scripted. They certainly do some ad-libbing, but I think radio is going to offer Vince a whole lot more freedom uh, to be able to add the silly to his news credibility, which is, I think, I think that's a balance that radio, that makes radio unique. Oh, without a doubt. And I, that's the ability to do the ad-libbing, which he is very capable of doing, is also... Um, what makes people want you to, to be, have you in their home. Yes. You know, I mean, you can watch the news and like you said, it's kind of scripted and it's a little stiffer, but if you get somebody who comes on in and is funny and is self-deprecating to a certain extent, 
that's the kind of person I want to bring into my house and have a beer with. Absolutely, or or have breakfast with. Right. Or, you know, otherwise you're getting ready in the morning and, and well, all that kind of shifter, stuff. I'm a third shifter, so I'm having beer for breakfast. That, whatever works for you. Yeah, right. Um, when uh, the lockdown first happened last year, and, you know, we we shared the building with CNJ4, and things were very divided. We had dividers in hallways, and, and things sure. just kind of got split down the middle while, while things weren't quite that, that serious. And I just remember... So TMJ4, they got the whole back part of the building, which is where all the vending machines are. So that's where all the sodas were and the snacks and all that stuff. And we weren't allowed in I there. I wondered what happened. Although I was looking for a bag of chips the other day. They're yeah. way back there? They're, they're way, way in the back. Oh, heck. Uh, but during lockdown, so TMJ4 had access to that. But we had the good bathrooms. Ah. We had the bed, at least for the women's room. I don't know what the condition is in the men's room. But I used to see Vince on the other side of the hallway where there's their big dividing line where you couldn't cross. And I'd say, Vince, I'll throw you some toilet paper if you throw me a Snickers. We can do a trade. He's just really delightful. And, and again, I can't think of a a smoother easier transition no it's going to be great it, it is going to be great and gene of course will always be revered as he as he should be and loved um but i think uh even for him he gave a chef's kiss this morning right as far as this selection and and i think he can go off and do whatever his next venture is gonna is gonna be and and feel good about it right and you know what if you would like to help celebrate gene you've got the holiday our holiday show. The holiday show that's going to be coming up on November 30th, and tickets are available. And you can uh, go to the website and check it out. Go to WTMJ.com. Tickets are selling fast, by the way. So if you want to get in on this show, which is called It's a Wonderful Career, it's going to be all very gene-focused, um, I wouldn't wait on those tickets. I would, I would grab them now. Jump them. Yep, jump on them. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff is off until Monday. Carol and Jane filling in today from noon to 3. Scott Warris will take over tomorrow and on Friday. Uh, just a real quick side note. We just want to say thank you to everybody. We have had so much fun the last couple of days. and It's been a great time. It really has. Without your phone calls and your texts and your willingness to share your stories and your experiences, without you, we're nothing. <laughs> we, we are. Without you, we're nothing. So uh, really, thank you so very, very much uh, for, for all of the communication and being willing to play with us a little bit. Uh, Speaking of, you can always check in the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. And as Carol referenced, um, our holiday show is coming back. WTNJ's Gene Miller's retirement coming up in February, so we are going to throw him a send-off like no other. Uh, we're inviting surprise guests. We would love for you to be there, too, called It's a Wonderful Career, starring all of your favorite WTMJ personalities, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. It happens Tuesday, November. November 30th at the Ingleside Hotel in Pewaukee. Tickets on sale now, benefiting the incredible Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. Head to WTMJ.com for more information or just text the word tickets to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Yes. Um, and you know what? I don't think that enough thanks can be given to these men and women who have dedicated their lives and have, have done the toughest job known to man and have gone overseas or stayed here or just, I mean, take some time and thank a veteran, please. I mean, now, the the parade happened on Saturday. Right. A lot of things happened last weekend. Yeah, a lot of things happened last weekend. Now, my buddy Saul Newton, who is the uh, president and CEO of the Veterans Chamber of Commerce, I've done a lot 
of work with them and emceed some of the stuff. They're holding their business conference, which is today, and that's out at the Brookfield Conference Center, which is in Brookfield, obviously. But tomorrow... You can go down at 1030 at the uh, War Memorial. They will be having a ceremony at 1030. If you can't make it, you can stream it live on their Facebook page. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, if for some reason you just can't get down there or you have some time constraints or whatever, you can go to the uh, War Memorial's Facebook page and they will be streaming the ceremony live at 1030. Speaking of the War Memorial, I was able to stop there uh, earlier in the week. They have a new traveling exhibit that is honoring Wisconsin female veterans. It's called I Am Not Invisible. The exhibit is the only one that features extended uh, biographies for each veteran, and they were written uh, by the Journal Sentinel's war correspondent, Meg Jones, who did such a wonderful job. And I had a chance to speak with War Memorial Education Program Manager, uh, Kristen Schuing. So this is an exhibit featuring the female service experience. Um, This is the second exhibit in the state. This is a traveling exhibit, so the first one is housed with the Wisconsin Veterans Museum, and then this one features more women from this area, although we do have some from outside of these Milwaukee counties, so Waukesha County, Ozaki. Um, so it's basically local female veterans that you might see around in the community but would never know that they're veterans. Shewing even said that in some cases it was difficult to get women veterans to participate. It was a little bit easier because there was that first exhibit, so pe- women were aware that, of this exhibit and maybe more open to participating. But um, I heard time and time again, oh, I'm sure there's someone better or more important or had better experience than I did. So it was a little bit of a challenge to convince women that they were good enough for this exhibit, which is just simply about female service. And women vets aren't the only ones who often feel that there are others who are more deserving. You know, even, you know, like men, Vietnam veterans who are in pretty harrowing situations will always say, I'm not as deserving as this person. I feel like they're comparing themselves a lot to everyone else. Shewing says there are so many different roles in the military and each one plays a critical part. You know, the military is this gigantic machine that's working and so many people are needed for the support. You know, a lot of times people think military is army or infantry or combat, and those are the things that are most visible, but there are so many support positions that are supporting that. Um, I think women, you know, and just serving in those roles frees up people to serve in other positions. You know, until recently women were not serving in combat or on ships or in submarines, and now they are, so there's more opportunities opening up for women. Um, You know, I can speak from my own experience. My mother was a nurse in Vietnam, so she said that she could tell that the soldiers appreciated when they would come out of, you know, surgery to have a woman there that reminded them of their mother or their girlfriend and just brought a different, um, that aspect to it. Ultimately, it's just about honoring their service. This exhibit is really important because I think people need to start thinking about that it's a possibility that the women around you are veterans. I think that, you know, just reading these exhibits here, I think it's possible to look at a woman in her mid-80s and think, 
wow, she could have been in World War II, or this woman could have been a nurse here, or this woman served on a destroyer and serviced all the machines. Like, it's possible. What's so cool about this I Am Not Invisible exhibit is it's available for corporations, community groups, institutions to, to have it visit their, you know, sure. their place and, and oh, that's be set really up. And, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So if you are interested, you work for a company or maybe a community group or a church or something like that, you just want to contact the War Memorial Center it's 414-273-5533. Okay. You know, and something she said during your interview with her is just just struck me because we have this woman, my girlfriend and I, we walk dogs every morning. Every day. Right? Yep. Every day. And um, there was this woman, and she has this beautiful German shepherd, Shotzi. And we stopped, and we met Shotzi. All the dogs got together, and we introduced ourselves, and her name was Maddie. And she's just this lovely young woman, right? And then one day we were stopping, and she said to us, hey, I won't be seeing you. Um, I am getting deployed. And we had no idea. Were you just dumbfounded? I was. I was like, you're in the military? And she said, yeah, that's why we have Shotzi, because I work with German Shepherds, and I'm going to be sent out. And um, she said, we love Shepherds. And I don't know if her husband has military experience, but it seemed to be that indicated. Mm -hmm. And so she was leaving for Eastern Europe um, last week. And she said, I'll be back for Thanksgiving, but then I'm going to go and I have to serve. This deployment's going to take about nine months to a year. And I was like, just to address what she was saying, I said, my gosh, thank you so much for your service. I cannot thank you enough. And she was just so humble. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. She was just like, oh, I, yeah, as, you know, this is what I do. And I said, well, I, we'll say hi, we'll take care of Shotzi. And she goes, well, my husband will be walking. But um, she was just so like, it, this is normal. Yeah, this is we, what we I, all do this. Yeah, yeah, we all right. do this. But I, I mean, just to address what's, what right. the woman was saying and the fact that I had no idea. Yeah, you, you you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know if the person standing next to you was in the military, served prior, is in the military now. And and again, this whole "I am not invisible" exhibit is is really about just taking a moment to think about the the women who've served and, like so many of them, are just humble about their service and don't want. Don't expect the no spotlight. Big deal. Yeah, yeah, don't expect the spotlight or anything. So, if you have an opportunity tomorrow to honor a veteran or thank a veteran, uh, please, please do. Please so. do. Uh, we are going to be right back. It's Carolyn Jane on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Carolyn Jane in for Jeff until three o'clock today. Scott Warris, who is wonderful and hilarious, will be covering Thursday and Friday, and then Jeff will be back. On Monday, uh, we are monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial out of Kenosha. The jury is on a break right now, and uh, if it warrants, when it warrants, we will rejoin the coverage. Right now, that we've been talking about uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day. Yes. And uh, just how so many veterans, if not all veterans, are so humble about their service. And Steve from Manitowoc is checking in on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Steve, thanks for calling. What, what do you want to say? Uh, I just, I'm a Vietnam vet and um, I've got two boys um, in the military, one a 100% disabled Iraqi vet uh, and the other one in special ops. Uh, and what I'm so gratified by is uh, the change in our uh, society. In-
terms of uh, differentiating the warriors from the war, when I got back from Vietnam, it was really quite common to be openly criticized for having served. Uh, and what I've witnessed with my boys is there's times when folks will come up to them and say, you know, I, I was never in favor of Iraq or Afghanistan, whatever it might be, but thank you for serving because they've differentiated the warrior from the war. And uh, I think it's a real credit to our culture uh, and society that that transition uh, has happened. Uh, so just my comment, and uh, thanks to all the vets out there. You bet. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Stephen. You make such an excellent point. Our Vietnam veterans were treated horribly when they came home. It was disgraceful. Yeah. It was. Um, that was just such a... It was a very chaotic yeah, time. It was a cluster. But, and, and, but, uh, but I, I think he's right that it's nice to see people coming around and, as he said, separating the, right, the warrior the war- from the war. You know, one of my most treasured, treasured things in the world, actually, I have a couple of them. My, my husband flew a flag over the Arizona in honor of my father, who was a World War II vet. So I have that flag and the certificate. Um, from the Arizona, but also, uh, years ago, on September 11th of 2002, uh, we, I was sent a flag that was flown over a uh, base in Afghanistan. Oh my. By somebody who was a big listener and just wanted to acknowledge the fact that he listened, he was, you know, hip to the crew and that I look at it every day and I'm so proud. And so honored that he would have done that, you know? Absolutely. So those are my two things that I just absolutely adore. We do have a text from the 414. We were talking about the new exhibit that the War Memorial Center uh, has launched called I Am Not Invisible. And this focuses specifically on female veterans and and their contributions. And uh, the the caller says, my mother-in-law was a veteran. And when she was being treated at the VA hospital, we were always asked where her husband served. Just the assumption that sure. if if you're at the VA and you're being treated at the VA, it wasn't you, right? But 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 your right. husband, your husband. Well, Lou's a Vietnam vet. Um, you you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, Lou was uh, drafted, and uh, he was stationed at. Uh, he was oh shoot! Now I'm gonna fl- fl- He he was in uh, Kansas, and he was also down in Florida. Um, but he didn't see active duty, but he was... He wasn't deployed overseas, though. No, no. And my, and my dad was World War II. He was in China, Burma, and he worked at a uh, hospital. He was older, so he was a pharmacist at a hospital in India. Oh, wow. And his only story, to go back to the humble and how they never, they never talked about anything, the only story my father ever told us was how they kept... Um, the uh, mongooses in the basement of the hospital in cages so that when the cobras got into the hospital oh. <laughs> release the mongoose are you like, kidding me i'm like are you kidding dad he goes no that's they so cobras would get in and we would go and get the mongoose and let them have at it i'm like Oh, none of this sounds even remotely interesting, Dad. Oh, how terrifying. That should be the name of a movie, Release the Mongoose. (laughs) 
I've never, I would never even imagine something like that. I know, I know. Isn't that funny? (laughs) It's incredible. Yeah. Again, Jane and Carol in for Jeff. We are monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which is going on in Kenosha. The jury is on a break right now. We will rejoin uh, when uh, when we are able. We're going to be right back after this on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is News Radio WTMJ. Carol and Jane in for Jeff until 3 o'clock today. Jeff, off until Monday. Scott Warris will handle things for Thursday and Friday. Again, we are monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial out of Kenosha. The jury's on a lunch break right now. Right. Did you see this cougar sighting? Up in West Bend? No. It was confirmed just recently by a senior wildlife biologist for the Department of Natural Resources in Washington and Ozaki counties, to which I was immediately like, great. Like, I need more things to worry about in Ozaki County. So, because it's dark when the dogs get up, sure. you know. And so the other day, I opened the door, because Sydney, I throw the ball for, and she just goes, and Beauregard's always on a leash. Is it, will he run? Yeah, okay. he'll, bolt, he'll bolt. He'll bolt. Okay. And because he's a hound. Sure, I gotta go, mom. Yeah. And uh, so I open the door, and I as I toss the ball for Sydney, she's already out. This buck goes right in front of me, like twenty feet in front of me. Sydney takes off after the deer. Oh gosh. And uh, Beauregard is, you know, I'm like trying, trying to, to wrestle. I him. can't imagine. And he's going crazy. <laughs> going, Sydney. <laughs> No, that one's the bad one that's got horns. So now I got a cougar? Are you kidding me? You're going to have to have like a cougar cam or something. It's like, did you hear about that poor dude in Brazil? It's like he couldn't win for losing. It was just his number was up. His, he's running away from a swarm of bees, and he jumps into some water to get away from the bees. Oh, no. The water is teeming with piranhas. Oh, oh you know your day is done. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, they, um, his friends tried to jump. Oh. <laughs> it's the same thing. I've got deer and cougars, so he got bees and piranhas. His friends tried to go in and get, but it was just too late. Hey, speaking of deer, though, that is not... A small thing. A good friend of mine, their little dog Stella, and Stella is a terrier of some kind, so she's a, she's a little chunky, she's a little pork chop, but her legs are only four inches high. Yeah, she thinks she's a, a Bernese mountain dog. She's a warrior. She is, and she got into it with a doe up north when they were up north, and that doe kicked the crap out of this little dog. Oh, I'll bet it it almost killed her. Yeah, I'll bet you know. So that's no small thing. And I also follow I follow some people on Twitter who are mushers. Oh, porcupines and dog and porcupine interactions. You come around the corner, you know, and your dogs are leading the leading the way and porcupines apparently don't take very kindly to that. And I followed some people who have had numerous visits to the vet trying to get these quills out. That's really dangerous. Oh, good Lord. I know. I never hey, now thought I, about that. Now you can worry about porcupines. That's Add that fantastic. To your list. Just keep adding. <laughs> keep adding. Like, I've got coyotes and cougars and turkeys and deer and bucks and, you know, and the bucks are ru- running right now. So they're, they're, they're not. They're, I'm sure they're, they're uh, determined. That's a nice way to put it. Hey, there you go. Determined. We're going to continue what else can kill you in Ozaki County. Uh, <laughs> after 1 o'clock, it's Jane and Carol on WTMJ. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here's WTMJ's Jane Matinair and Carol Kane. Carol and Jane, Jane and Carol with you till 3 o'clock today. Jeff, off until Monday. Scott Warris will handle the chair on Thursday and Friday. Uh, we are also monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which has gotten back underway with live testimony, and we will determine whether or not to join that live. Um, I'm really excited to have this guest, and I was really excited when I stumbled upon this in the Journal Sentinel. Uh, Stella and Chewy's is an Oak Creek company that was founded in 2003. They offer natural pet food, frozen patties, morsels, freeze-dried dinners, meal mixers, baked kibble stews, all kinds of treats. Uh, and joining us now is the founder of Stella and Chewy's, Marie Moody. Uh, Marie, thank you, first of all, for, for joining us on such last-minute noti- last notice we were able to grab you. But I'm so excited about what you're doing for senior dogs and cats. Can you tell us how that works? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, at Stella and Chewy's, we have something called the Journey Home Fund, and that fund promotes senior pet adoption and supports um, bringing attention to senior pets. We've um, donated over 1.5 million meals so far. Uh, but then we, since its inception in 2018, but then for the month of November, um, not sure if people are aware or not, but it is, uh, the adopt a senior pet month. And so to celebrate that, what we're doing is we are, um, offering to, we're reimbursing people all for their adoption fees and also sending them home with a $40 voucher for anybody in the U.S. or Canada that adopts a senior pet this month. And then we also um, partnered with Pilots to the Rescue, which um, is, um, he, he basically brings senior pets into more adoptable cities, so we're sponsoring some flights for them. Okay, now what exactly is considered a senior pet? Um, a dog or cat over the age of five and over. Okay. All right. I just think mm-hmm. it's such it's really such a an act of kindness to adopt a, an an elderly or a senior animal just because you know you get so attached to them and mm-hmm. but there are people that are out there their hearts are so full that this is what they do. My friend BJ does this all the time. Only oh. adopts only adopts only, seniors. Only adopts senior dogs and he's always oh. posting it. There's a dog his tongue's hanging out, you know, <laughs> one eye's blind, oh. but it's just like God love you. You know he walks him to the rainbow. I it's yeah, just unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and a lot of them are in great shape. I mean 5 6 7 they still have a lot of life left and in fact you know, there can be a lot of advantages to adopting a senior pet instead of a puppy. Um, they're, they're, you know, the size, the temperament, they're usually housebroken, uh, things like that. And they have so much love to give. And unfortunately, they senior dogs have a 25% adoption rate compared to a 60% adoption rate of uh, younger dogs. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I know. I know. So we need more people like your friend. So how does this work then? So if they somebody goes and adopts a senior pet, do they get a hold of you to get their reimbursement, or how does that work? Uh, they just go to uh, com slash adopt, and we've tried to make it really simple, and they just submit the adoption forms, and we reimburse them for their fees as well as giving them, um, you know, like I said, a $40 coupon. 
Marie Moody, is, Marie Moody is the founder of Stella and Chewy's, uh, which is named after your two rescue dogs, right, Marie? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Were they seniors as well? Well, eventually they were seniors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of shocked that a five-year-old is considered a senior. That well, there's there's I, a lot of life left after you know. I I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, it's sort of like I mean, if you do the math, that's 35 years old. I mean. My God, I'd hate to think for a senior at 35. <laughs> sure, sure. But I can remember when Barkley was a puppy and I waited for him to become like four or five to oh, get to get past that frantic, you know, right. and, and have him calm down exactly. a little bit. And right. Exactly. No, exactly. And you only get more and more attached to them. I mean, you know, like they're wonderful. Senior pets, it's really people are missing an opportunity if they walk right by them. Well, I, you know what? My Beauregard, we don't really know how old he was, but they said maybe four or five when we got him. Um, and But because uh, he... they. He doesn't have any teeth in the front. Oh, puppy. I know. He doesn't have any teeth. Um, so, you know, I call him. He came from Alabama, so I call him Hillbilly. That's one of his nicknames. But but I couldn't agree with you more in the fact that he just slid in to our family and became just a part of the fabric of our lives, you know, just perfect. And and you couldn't imagine life without him, I'm sure. Oh, right? he's, something else. he's something else, I'll tell you that. Well, and speaking of people who will only adopt seniors, and I want to give a shout-out to our teammate here at Good Karma Brands, Brenda Serio, um, who only adopts uh, seniors and, and a lot of seniors with special needs. And she just mm. feels that this is her calling. This is what she's wow. meant to do and give them as much love and as many scritches and, and all that stuff for as long as they have. And, and like you said, uh, get them, get them to the rainbow bridge and get them across the bridge. Yep. 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 Right. right. Well, those people are heroes in my opinion. I mean, they're doing the hardest work and, you know, there's a special place for people like that, right? Well, yeah. and, and there's a special place for people like you, Marie Moody. Uh, go to StellaAndChewies.com slash adopt if you want to find about out about uh, getting reimbursed if you adopt a senior pet. You're making a huge difference, Marie, and I, I really thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It is 114. We're going to go to break. Jane and Carol on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Carol and Jane in for Jeff. We are following live. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial has resumed in Kenosha. We go right now to the WTMJ Breaking News Center in Mike Spaulding. Yeah, Jane, thank you. We have returned from lunch. Right after returning from lunch, Kyle Rittenhouse's defense team made a statement saying that they wanted to ask for a mistrial with prejudice. This goes back to the um, comments and arguments between Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger and Judge Bruce Schrader um, about his line of questioning. The defense has already made their request. This is Thomas Binger right now speaking about why he was making those choices. Well, wait a minute. You don't think he could give an interview about his his uh, awards he won in high school or his demerits that he got or his uh, and, and 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 about his sports activities and his swimming and and that and and declined to answer any questions about the incident in question and that somehow a waiver of his right to silence. I, I think he's doing more than that, Your Honor, uh, in these interviews. Um, I don't know. I, I knew nothing about them. I never, I, you know, I, I haven't seen all, all of 
I haven't seen probably 1% of all the evidence, which is pretty typical, as you know. So I have no way of knowing it. And you have some, intervie uh, some interviews that he gave to uh, media or to whatever? Yeah, there's an interview that we're looking at on our computer right now from um, the Washington Post uh, where he talks to them. Um, I know there's one, uh, I think it's either the New Yorker or the GQ magazine, uh, where he s speaks to the reporters also. Um, and he doesn't go into specific details about what happened that night, but it's not like it's talking about school or swimming or things well, like that. Well, no, 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 no. Don't leave it at He doesn't go into specific details. I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly there could be a waiver, but a very modest discussion about the activities of that night. And if you're suggesting that occurred, that could make a big difference. Um, but um, even even a small discussion on his part of the uh, night in question might be a full waiver. I don't know, but I and I won't know until I see it. But uh, why don't you uh, make copies of it and? Uh, Can we have a few minutes to? to well, we won't do it right now. I, I I do agree with you that this is not something that I would want to do. Um, sitting here uh, without giving you an opportunity to respond. Um, although I would be interested in your preliminary response to uh, the, the excluded evidence that you uh, touched on after having been told not to do it or having been told that I was confirming my prior rulings. I do want to just point out right now we've got it on the screen. This is a Washington Post article uh, and there's a reference to an interview that he says, the defendant says, he did not regret having his gun because, quote, I would have died that night if I didn't, end quote. So that's a direct quote from the defendant to the media about that night. What about that? Your Honor, all I can say about that interview is there were prior counsel representing him. Um, I don't care about that. Well, and, and I believe it was a telephone interview. I, I don't know anything about the circumstances of that. I'd have to read the article. Well, that might make a difference. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, what about the, um, yeah, you're uh, asking questions about excluded evidence. Your Honor, the, we, went, we went over this earlier, and I, I don't want to repeat myself because I know you've heard me, but if I could just summarize. Um, I did hear you talk about that evidence this morning before testimony. The defendant then took the stand. He admitted that he had said to the person in the yellow pants that he had pointed the gun at that person. I have seen that video. Um, it was actually introduced by the defense. I think it was even in their opening statement. And there's this person who confronts the defendant and accuses him of this. Frankly, to be honest, Your Honor, when I watched the video the first time, I didn't hear the defense reaction. I thought it was someone making an accusation and then the defendant walking away as if trying to avoid a confrontation. I was surprised to hear the defendant admit in his testimony, on direct, by his attorney, that yes, I did tell that person that I had pointed the gun at them. He explained then that he was joking when he said that. The jury can evaluate that. It goes to his credibility, it goes to whether or not he's telling the truth, it goes to his decision-making. That is, again, this is an incident that occurred that night, so it's not something that happened separate in time. It presumably happened a few minutes before. 
Um, but I, like I said, I was taken aback by the defendant admitting that he had said to this person, yes, I pointed a gun at him. Um, and I think it's fair to say that watching that video, that that person, you know, believes strongly that this happened. The defendant is telling him it happened. Now the defendant today is giving us a different version and saying, oh, I made it, I was joking, I was just kidding that guy or whatever. I'd like to probe that. I'd like to probe what he said to that person. I'd like to probe what his motivations were, etc. I'd like to probe whether, in fact, he really did do that. Um, and I think that that changes the equation with regard to the CVS video that was the subject of the other acts motion. Because in my mind, it is very similar. And I know we've disagreed on that, and I'm not going to belabor the point, Your Honor, but that was where I was coming from, was there's been a change in the testimony of the defendant today that I think makes that evidence. It's admissible and much more relevant than it already was, and I thought it was already uh, relevant. And the court is... I, I do want to be clear so also... I'm just here on the sidelines just to... Well, you... Yeah, uh, I had made a ruling that the evidence wasn't coming in, and you decided that it was. I, I, if I could just respond to that briefly, Your Honor, I was about to say, I did not interpret your ruling as an absolute... We, we've had three state motions in the <laughs> There was one in which we asked the court to introduce evidence that the defendant was at Pudgy's Bar with Proud Boys, and you were clear that is not coming in. There was, you know, don't get into other subjects. Get it? Get, come on, what you're telling me? You're an experienced trial attorney, and you're telling me that when the judge says I'm excluding this, you just to take it upon yourself to put it in because you think that you've found a way around it. Come on. If I may finish, Your Honor, I was about to say, your, your ruling on our three motions and uh, other acts motions was there were some gradations there. That you were clear that some things were absolutely out, and then you left the door open on other things. Uh, uh, no. So I, I, I saw that distinction, and I thought to myself, clearly I know this is out, but you left the door open on other things. So I didn't interpret your ruling as this is absolutely never coming in. And I have practiced before you, Your Honor. I have filed other associations motions before you. Your practice oftentimes is to reserve ruling on those until you see the evidence. And I think you even said something to that effect. And I undoubtedly did. So I thought this is my good faith explanation to you. And if you want to yell at me, you can. My good faith feeling this morning after watching that testimony was you had left the door open a little bit. Now we had something new, and I was going to probe it. I don't believe you. There better not be another incident. I'll take the motion under advisement. Um, and you can respond. Um, when you say that, that you were acting in faith, good faith, I don't believe that, okay? Let's proceed. Everybody in good faith. You are listening right. to live coverage of the homicide trial for Kyle Rittenhouse here on News Radio WTMJ. It appears that Judge Bruce Schrader has denied the defense's motion for the trial to be declared, declared a mistrial. Says that they will continue on as previously. Saying he wants everybody to act in good faith. We'll get back to his comments right now. Being at Pudgy's Bar after a court appearance in January, in which he poses for selfies for selfies after a court appearance with members of the public wearing that shirt. I do not intend to talk about who those people were, what groups they were affiliated with, or anything along those lines, but 
I believe that it is relevant when the defendant goes to a bar after a court appearance and poses for selfies wearing a shirt like that. I think it is relevant to some of the issues that have come up in this case. For example, his remorse or lack of remorse, his uh, utter disregard for human life. Uh, those are things that I think it comes into play because I think that behavior is not consistent with someone who has a regard for human life. The jury's already watched him break down on the stand with emotion. I'd like to probe how heartfelt and sincere these emotions are when you go to a bar and you pose for selfies with people. When you're out on bond in a first-degree intentional homicide trial wearing a free-as-fuck shirt. So, as I said, I want to use the photograph. I'm not going to talk about any of the people or who they were from. In fact, the photograph I'm going to use has actually got their faces blocked out. So we won't see any of the people in the crowd. We'll just see the defendant standing with a group of people for a selfie with that shirt on. That's as far as I want to go. Seeing this issue. Nobody got an opportunity. First of all, you've made a ruling on it, and it was clear prior to him testifying. So part of this is, would we have raised it? Would we have brought it up if we, if we would have known that it was going to be coming in? We have done nothing. There's been nothing to open this door, Judge. Nothing that has been said to open the door about what happened four months after this is relevant in any way to what happened that evening. That is part of what the court had ruled. You had said four months after, I don't see how that goes to any 90404 type of uh, admissible evidence. So my argument is, A, you ruled on it previous to him testifying. You confirmed your ruling, which you had made previously, which Mr. Binger just said you had shut the door on it. So apparently he doesn't believe a door that is shut should stay shut. However, now he's asking that something be admitted that, to be fair, this should have been brought up sooner. This jury, I, I would have, I did the void deer, I would have void deered on an issue of whether or not they heard it, saw it, or aware of it. How they felt about it, whether it uh, had an impact on their ability to be fair in the case, we never went there because of your prior ruling. So there's nothing that's opened this door, and I don't think it's relevant something that happened four months later. He talked about uh, indifference to human life. That's that night. Not four months later. There's nothing, nothing that's relevant about that. You've already made your ruling. I ask that you stick with it. Uh, I'm struggling with why it would be relevant to any of the issues in this case. Um, you know, if, if you, he were on trial for using exquisitely bad judgment, if he were on trial for behaving in a very offensive way, uh, then I could see the purpose. But an incident that occurred four months after the incidents in question, I don't see how that jury can work with that in reaching any conclusions about the issues in this case. First of all, Your Honor, we have introduced evidence that the defendant had a, a slogan on his TikTok page, grow up just trying to be famous. This case has made him famous, and he's posing for selfies as a result. One of our theories of this case is that his behavior that night was intended to gain attention, to be famous. And he's 
reap the benefits of that. Second of all, he is on trial, in, in my opinion, for exquisitely poor decision-making. Taking a gun that he's not legally entitled to have, coming down in violation of the curfew, running around the community with that gun, trying to be a police officer when he's not, uh, confronting protesters that he knows are hostile, and uh, all of those behaviors, I think, are exquisitely bad judgment. So the jury can make that decision. The jury can give what weight they want to this evidence. But it's, the, it's moments after he has a court appearance here. He's on, out on bond on, in this case when he decides to do this behavior. And nobody made him do it. Nobody forced him to go to the bar. Nobody forced him to wear the shirt. Nobody forced him to pose for selfies. It's his own decision making. When I, you know, when I tried, when I, when I made reference to exquisitely poor judgment, I was talking about at the incident when he was wearing the shirt. Because uh, you look, uh, everybody uh, in all of humanity, at one time or another, displays bad judgment. Sometimes exquisitely bad judgment. And we don't let it into people's trials on unrelated matters. So I, I wasn't referring to his having had bad, good or bad judgment on the day in question. Uh, that's a legitimate inquiry. And you're being allowed to present a lot of evidence on that subject. And the jury is going to be instructed on in some of the, uh, the element of some of the crimes that are charged here is going to uh, deal with the, ca the caliber of his judgment. But you're talking about an incident that occurred four months later. So I'm not seeing it, and I don't want to waste any more time with it. Uh, I, I, um, I don't think so. I've ruled before it's not admissible, and I have heard nothing to change my mind about that. It was sought to be admitted earlier for a different I, purpose, Ron. I'm sorry. It, it was sought to be admitted earlier for a different purpose than it is today. I, the court has ruled that it can't be admitted for the prior purpose, but I'm seeking to introduce it for a different purpose today. And that request is denied. Thank you. Okay. Are we ready to go? You are listening to live coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse homicide trial here on WTMJ Radio. Just to reset a little bit, that was a prosecutor, Thomas Binger, going back and forth with Judge Bruce Schrader about specific evidence that can or cannot be used. What's at issue here is if Kyle Rittenhouse's essentially personal life chain is relevant to this trial. The prosecution's argument is it is because he's done interviews, he's been photographed and things like that. And Judge Schrader's argument is I've loosely ruled on these things already as far as how back, how far back we can go, whether it's um, wearing the specific shirt that he was wearing and photographed at a bar here in southeast Wisconsin or comments that he had made to friends before or after the trial. So that's kind of where we stand right now. The jury has not been in the courtroom since we returned from break as they continue to argue this. They are being summoned in back right now. Um, and I can hand it back to you guys. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. We're going to go to break. We're a little bit behind it. This is WTMJ Radio. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jane and Carol in for Jeff. He's back on Monday. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has returned to the stand, and the jury is back in. We go live now to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha. I took that as a threat to me personally. The second time I took that as a threat to the group. Can we have that uh, photo, uh, Exhibit 138, up on the screen, please?
see Mr. Rosenbaum in this picture? I do. And he's in the middle of the picture wearing the red shirt with the blue bandana carrying the plastic bag, correct? Yes. Is that the way he looked when he made the first threat to you? When he said, if I catch you alone, yes. And he was carrying that plastic bag with him when he made that threat too, correct? Correct. How close was he when he made that first threat to you? Close. I couldn't give you an exact estimate, but he was cl close, less than five feet. So closer than Madam Court Reporter is to you now? I'd say about the same, if not a little bit closer. And you were next to Mr. Balch when that was said? Correct. Was anyone else there besides you, Mr. Balch, and Mr. Rosenbaum? I believe there were other uh, demonstrators um, around. And you've seen in this trial that there's been a lot of video footage of that night, correct? Yes. And you've seen in this trial that there's a lot of video footage of you that night, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that there's no video of either one of these threats, correct? I don't know if somebody filmed it um, that I'm aware of right now. You're not aware of any, are you? I'm not. So, Mr. Rosenbaum looked like that at the time of the first threat, but then looked different at the time of the second threat? Is that right? Yes. And did you say he was carrying the chain when he made the first threat or the second one? The second. Okay. And he was still carrying that plastic bag the second time? Yes. That plastic bag has a, has a clear side to it that allows you to see inside of it, right? Sort of. I didn't really look into the bag. So you didn't know what was in the bag at all? I didn't. Did he swing the chain at you when he made the second threat? He did not. Did he uh, physically touch you when he made the second threat? No, he didn't. In fact, that entire evening, he never once touched you or your body, did he? He... He grabbed my gun when he attacked me. And that's why I asked the question the way I did. He never touched your body that night, correct? He didn't touch me physically. Okay. And the, neither the first or the second time did he run at you or charge at you or anything like that, did he? He didn't chase me. He didn't even do anything physically aggressive to you, did he? No. He just said some words? Yes. And that chain that he had in his hand, he never did anything to physically threaten you with that chain, correct? Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. And other than the chain that you've described, at no point in the evening did you ever see Joseph Rosenbaum with any other type of weapon, correct? Not that I saw. Never saw him with a gun? Correct. Never saw him with a knife? Correct. Never saw him with a bat? Correct. Never saw him with a club? Correct. How far apart in time were these two threats that you say Mr. Rosenbaum made to you? I want to say, I, I can't give you an, a definite time. I wasn't looking at my clock, but I, I'd say within the same hour. And both of those threats occurred while you were on the 59th Street property? The this, the second threat um, happened at the corner, and the first threat um, happened towards Ruther Central High School. Okay, could you use that laser pointer and, and uh, point out on that map where the first threat occurred? 
the first threat happened right here at the in front of the building. So you're pointing at a location that is by the 59th Street car source on the south side of that property uh, along the building and Sheridan Road on the west side of the road. Would that be accurate? Yes. Okay. And uh, you said there was a second threat within an hour after that, correct? Yes. Where was that threat at? It was somewhere over here, I remember, like on the other side of the property towards Ruther Central. More towards the northeast corner of that same property. Correct. But you were still on the car source property when that second threat was allegedly made, correct? Yes. Did you remember what Mr. Rosenbaum had said to you later on when he's confronting you at the 63rd Street Park Source? I took a mental picture of his face. Um, when, he threat when he said those threats, I recognized that was him that said that when he started chasing me. So when you are running away from him at the 63rd car Street Car Source, you're thinking to yourself, this is the guy who had made a threat to me earlier. Is that fair to say? I was thinking this is the guy that said, if he catches me alone, he'll kill me um, as I'm running away from him. The reason I asked Mr. Rosen, or Mr. Rittenhouse is, how did you know it was the same guy when he's changed the way he looks? His appearance, the shorts, his height. But in both of those instances that you've described, he's got something covering his face, either the blue bandana in one instance or the red shirt in a different instance, correct? He was wearing the red shirt when he chased me around his head. So you remember that from the second time that you say he threatened you? Yes. And you thought to yourself, this is the same guy? Yes. So when you eventually were getting to the point where you're going down to the 63rd Street car source right before the, sh the shooting, you recognized him as you're following him down the street, didn't you? I didn't follow Mr. Rosenbaum down the street. He was in front of you. You know that now, right? I, I know that now. But you didn't, you didn't see him ahead of you as you're walking down there that night? No, it was dark out. But you, at some point as you get close to the 63rd Street car source, start running towards that lot. Right? Towards the fire that in the Duramax. And Mr. Rosenbaum is running ahead of you, isn't he? I don't I don't believe so. But you decided you needed to run because of the fire in the Duramax? Yes. Why? What was so urgent? It was a fire. There's fires all over the place, so I was getting to the fire to put it out. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second. You indicated that while you were at the 59th Street car source, you said you put out a, a fire at the church next door. Is that right? Yes. Did you hear Joanne Fiedler's testimony yesterday that when you guys went over there, somebody had put some sort of flammable liquid on the door? Did you hear that testimony? I did. I believe that was at referring to the Ruther Central High School. Okay, so when she described it as happening at the church, you think that was, she was getting it confused? Yeah. Yes? Okay. So, uh, whatever happened with this flammable liquid on the door, the point is, some other group, some other people, put that out before you even got there. Correct. Why did you feel 
that you uh, should go around off the 59th Street car source property and put out fires. To make sure my community didn't get burnt down and help. And when you say your community, you mean Kenosha? Yes. Again, you're from Antioch. You're not living in Kenosha at this time when this all happens, right? My dad lives in Kenosha. Lots of people live in Kenosha, but you didn't, right? My residence was in Antioch. Okay. But you felt like you wanted to do things to protect this community. Fair? The community that I was part of, yes. And you felt like it was appropriate for you to take matters into your own hands to put out fires, for example. Put out fires by using a fire extinguisher, yes. Even though they weren't on the 59th Street property, correct? Correct. And were there other things that you decided it would be appropriate for you to go out there and take care of off the 59th Street property that night? I was walking around and asking people if they needed medical help. So you felt that you wanted to go out and uh, help people uh, help protect people, help people feel better, treat people, things like that, even off the 59th Street. Provide first aid. Normally in our regular society, that's something that we call 911 for, right? Normally, yes. Where are we headed? <laughs> I... I think that the defendant's decisions to go off that property and involve himself in other matters are relevant, Your Honor. Well, I'll let you pursue it, but... Um, um, and that's exactly how these shootings happen, so... Well, uh, that's what the trial is about. Uh, Which is go, why I go ahead, go ahead, I... Uh, <clears throat> go ahead. Normally... We would, if there's a fire, if there's somebody committing a crime, you call 911, right? Normally, yes. You didn't feel like you could do that that night, correct? I don't think that. I, I saw from the nights prior that um, the fire department wasn't responding to put out fires. Well, the nights before, there were businesses on fire along 22nd Avenue, there was the car source. Uh, large-scale property fires on the prior nights, correct? Yes. On the night of August 25th, we didn't have any fires like that. We just had a couple dumpsters, smaller things, right? That I saw, yes. I didn't hear you, sir. That I saw, yes. But regardless of how big the fire is, um, you felt that night that calling 911 was not an option, correct? I didn't feel that if I called 911, anyone would, would show up. Which is why you decided to take care of it yourself, correct? To provide first aid and put out fires. To do the things that normally we would expect the police or the fire department to do, correct? To help, help people, yes. Could you please move that microphone a little closer so we can make sure we hear everything you're saying? You can, you can adjust it if you need to move it a little closer. Thank you. 
Let me, well, let me interrupt for just a moment. Uh, how's the temperature? Uh, how many are comfortable the way things are? Okay, I, I won't even ask the other side. Uh, see you ice cubes, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, <laughs> it must be blowing differently here. Go ahead, Mr. You came to Kenosha that night armed with the AR-15 and no other ways to physically defend yourself, correct? I had an AR-15, yes. Other than that, you had no other weapons or devices that you could use to defend yourself that night, correct? Yes. In, there's an interview in which you say you're not carrying anything non-lethal. Do you recall that? I do. You indicated in response to one of your attorney's questions that there was no friction with the protesters that night. Did I understand you correctly? By friction, you mean? Well, I'm using your words, sir. I, I heard you say, in response to your attorney's question, that there was no friction with the protesters that night. Did I hear you correctly? Uh, yes. Uh... And you're describing what you observed when you were at the 59th Street car source. Fair enough? Yes. So, based on your several hours at that location, it seemed to you as though the crowd of, however you want to describe them, they've been called rioters, protesters, demonstrators, and you, things were fine. No tension, no friction, no nothing. Fair to say? For the most part, other than Mr. Rosenbaum. He was the only one. That threatened, yes. That you saw? Yes. Can we please play exhibit number 18? At the one hour and twenty-two second and fourteen—I'm sorry, twenty-two minute and fourteen second mark. You are listening to live coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse homicide trial here on News Radio WTMJ right now. Prosecutor Thomas Binger is cross-examining Rittenhouse. They are have returned from a lunch break. They are now viewing video of. Some of the inner, inner or the altercations from that evening. This video does not have any sound uh, right now. This is actually a point of contention, Jane, earlier in the trial about what sound can and cannot be used because many of or much of this cell phone video has people who took that video commenting on what was happening and were refer referring to people as uh, rioters or terrorists or just commenting on what is happening. And the judge's point. Then I believe that was on the first or even second day of testimony was that's hearsay. I was going to be say because those people are not here to testify to what they were seeing, whether it was true or whether it was not true. So that video is going on right now. We will continue to uh, monitor what's happening. But it was really interesting, right, when they came back from lunch and had a half hour back and forth as the prosecution argued in favor of a line of questioning that was brought into question by the defense team earlier as to whether or not they could um, talk about Kyle Rittenhouse's personal life, whether Thomas Binger, you had the judge say he was being out of line several times. So it, just kind of an interesting... Uh, Some interesting dynamics going on. Yeah, early afternoon, we're looking at video right now, stuff that we've already seen in this trial. It is um, outside of the car source. Many of the men who were with Rittenhouse saying they were protecting it or can be seen standing on top of uh, on top of that building right now. And uh, we're just still going through 
that video. Reel in. Reel in. Reel in. Don't cause problems when there's none here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just stay on your property. Let just, otherwise you're cop- there's way too many of them. I have to agree with her that they shouldn't be on the street. You are listening to live coverage of the homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse here on WTMJ right now. The prosecution is cross-examining Rittenhouse and reviewing video from the night in question. Uh, thank you, Mike Spaulding from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. We are going to take a break. Jane and Carol on WTMJ. Carol and Jane in for Jeff. He's back on Monday. Scott Morris will be here tomorrow and Friday. We have been covering the Kyle Rittenhouse trial live from Kenosha. Uh, Mike Spaulding, what are we expecting over the next couple hours, do you think? I think we're going to be expecting more of this. For the first time, the prosecution is getting into video evidence. They're going back and forth on the night in question, who saw what and where. We obviously know there's gobs and gobs of this cell phone footage. Um, so I think that's what we're going to expect. I, I would not be shocked if the prosecution eventually rests here. They've been going at this for more than an hour now. Um, and I would think that closing arguments will probably be tomorrow. I don't believe there would be anyone more compelling, right? If you're a defense attorney, who would you, who else would you call you, after your guy? Right, you would you would put your defendant on last. Yeah, that's what I would I would think is happening. So that that's my guess is we'll get more of this and, and we'll dip in and out of it too as we see fit. And once the, the testimony gets a little bit more compelling, but uh, you can find the whole thing right now online at wtmj.com. You can also text the word Kenosha to eight five five six one six one six twenty. We'll send you a link to our online coverage where you can. Uh, Watch every little bit of this that you want. As Mike said, we will continue to monitor the Kyle Rittenhouse trial from Kenosha. We have news coming up next. It's WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here's WTMJ's Jane Matinair and Carol Kane. Jane and Carol, Carol and Jane with you until 3 o'clock, our last day filling in for Jeff, who will be back on Monday. Scott Warris will be taking over, and I highly encourage you to join him tomorrow and Friday from noon to 3. He's a lot of fun. He always has a really interesting take on things, and I know you will really enjoy listening yeah, no, listening he's to really, him. Yeah, no, he's really fun. He's and a good yeah. human. You know what I love about him is, uh, like, he, he is not afraid to, like, bust your keons. You know what at, I mean? At, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is fun. I love to spar. So, you know, bring it. Let's go. And and he does. Oh, yeah. he's, he's interesting. He'll bust you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, by the way, we, we continue monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, uh, which is going on in Kenosha. If you would like to stream it, you can certainly do so. Just text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text line at 855-616-1620. As always, we welcome all of your calls and your texts. We've had such a good time the last couple of days, largely because of how willing you have all been to share things with us and share right, your experiences right. and share your stories. And so thank you. Thank you so very much. It's, um, you know what? It's uh, first of all, it's thank you for putting up with my antics for the past couple of days. Oh, this has been great. <laughs> I mean, I just, I know that, uh, I am not an easy person to live with or deal with sometimes, so I just want to thank you for at least saying, yeah, I'll work with her. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let me introduce you to some of my former partners. <laughs> okay. Well, point well taken. Point. Me too. Point well taken. Absolutely. So, um, I am. We're going to switch gears a, a little bit again. We continue to monitor the trial and we'll dip in when uh, when it, we feel it's appropriate. But uh, right now we want to talk about something that happened on this date in 1975. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down At the big lake they call Gitchagumi The lake it is said never gives up her dead When the skies of November turn gloomy Gordon Lightfoot, of course, the, uh, Classic. the tale, tale of the Edmund Fitzgerald the, uh, the hairs on my arms are standing up um, Just so chilling It was on this date in 1975 That the Edmund Fitzgerald Went down in a storm on Lake Superior All hands on deck, 29 lives Were lost and uh, it remains One of the greatest sea tragedies After the Titanic I believe Well, it's And not, it, not a sea, it was a lake It's um, what's so fast Is the mystery behind it Because you we don't know exactly What happened to this thing You know, I mean, it went down 17 miles from refuge and they say could leachy, leaky hatch covers have allowed water to flow in and invisibility face you know the, the, I mean there's just so much that could have happened and I was reading this really fascinating article about this family who this guy lost his brother on the Edmund Fitzgerald and talking about the last night that they saw him and ate dinner with him before he went and got on the on the ship and it was just he said it was odd because because he the the hugs lingered a little too long, really? and it was just kind of like this weird kind Ominous. of ominous. Yeah, looking back on it, it was like, why was he so touchy feely, and why was he so engaged with the family the night that this thing went down? And um, I think that, and he talks about the fact that the bell, the two hundred pound bell, was brought to the service uh, back in nineteen ninety five, and that. Uh, it was taken to the Maritime Museum, and they go and they ring the bell once for each of the victims um, during a ceremony on on the anniversary uh, of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And he says, my brother Alan and the 28 other remain 535 feet below the surface undisturbed. And that's where they want them to stay, isn't yeah, it? I, I, they, I, if they wanted to, to do recovery, it certainly could have done been done long before now. Right. They just, I think it's just let it... Let it stay down there. That's their. It's the same kind of a situation. Um, obviously different, but you know, there's still people entombed in the Arizona. Right. You know, that's right. that's just like just leave. That's them your there. final your final resting. That's place. That's exactly where it should be. And I, I've only been to Lake Superior once. Um, I was up in Bayfield with uh, my daughter for a craft fair. Yeah, I was I was selling. Uh, yeah, why she even allowed me around the money, I'll never know. But um, the waves come. Cra- I mean, it was kind of windy, and it was really something to watch that lake stir up. It's interesting that you say that because I hadn't been to Bayfield in thirty years, and my sister and I just went at the end of the summer. We were up there at the end of August and took a couple ferry rides to some of the different lighthouses. But when you get out there, it's 
it's really overwhelming. It's and I know Lake Michigan is huge, but there is a different feel to Lake Superior. There is a different ominousness to to that particular body of water. Yeah. And, and one of the farthest lighthouses on the Apostle Islands is so far out. I, I mean, it probably takes an hour and a half just to get there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's it's They're really spread out. So when you're out in the middle of it, you know, 14 miles doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot. Well, well, because, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that if something should happen, you're done. Where are you going to go? I mean, people don't understand the uh, first of all the power of water. Absolutely, and um, and trust me, I went whitewater rafting and got dumped, and it was one of the most frightening things I've ever experienced in my entire Terrifying. life. Terrifying, but um, I just you know. It's so interesting because we don't know exactly what happened. And it was, it happened so quickly. It went down so quickly. And there was no distress signal. There were no lifeboats deployed. Nothing. It was just, it disappeared off the face of the earth. It just went down. And, Boom. And, and with the case of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and I think, you know, the reality shows that we watched about the lobster fishermen and, and all that stuff oh, in yeah. Alaska. Just have so much respect for people who work on the water in that capacity because it's really dangerous. I, I tell you, I went out with the uh, search and rescue crew for the Milwaukee Fire Department. I was on their boat, and they took us out beyond the breakwater. Yep. And and they're showing us our there. I'm like, you dive into this stuff, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that, well, that's, that's our job. A, that's what we do. And if there's somebody in distress, that's what we do. And I'm like. Okay, there's one more job that I don't want to have. I don't want to do anything in regards to that. But the, the like this family, this brother Alan and the 28 others, like he was so excited to get this job because the benefits were so good and the pay was so good, and uh, it ended tragically. Yeah, uh, we have a text in from the 414. Yes, the 1975 Edmund Fitzgerald went down. My husband's co-worker's uncle is entombed there. Oh, wow. So he was one of the the 29 victims. We are late. We need to go to break. It's Carol and Jane, Jane and Carol on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff is off until Monday. Carol and Jane with you till 3 o'clock today when Wisconsin's afternoon news will take over. We continue monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial uh, that is going on right now in Kenosha. If you would like to watch live, just text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text line at 855-616-1620. going to switch gears a little bit. There was big, big, big news this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News and from TMJ4. Uncomfortable as it may be, I am personally going to make a bit of news this morning, so I wanted to share it with so many of you who watch our show every day. Early next year, I'll be leaving TMJ4 News to become the morning host on 620 WTMJ Radio. As he announced early this year, Gene Miller is retiring after more than 40 years in the broadcast business. Like so many of you, I was among those listening and laughing out loud with Reitman and Miller all those years ago when they were the red-hot morning show on WKTI. Gene has since been the morning man at WTMJ, and to know that I will follow him in that role is both a great honor and a little bit terrifying, as Gene is a Wisconsin broadcast legend, a friend and colleague whom I have always looked up to. So I will be here on TMJ4 through early next year, and truly this transition will only grow our long relationship that we've had both between TV and radio. Uh, I'm going to make you guys come on the show as often as possible. (laughs) 
Uh, and my last official day here, uh, I hope and believe, will not be the last time you see me on TV on Channel 4 either. I think we're going to keep this going. You're on TMJ every day. Yeah. Right? Doing Still doing right. your thing. Sure. So we'll continue to hang out in that way. And you? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are you available? <laughs> for you, anything. I just want to say congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I don't... I mean, what an honor for you. Gene Miller is a legend, as you've mentioned, but I can't imagine anybody else that they could have found who would have filled that role as well as you will. I know you will. So congratulations to you. We are so happy. Yes. It's so sad for all of us, yep. but so happy for you. Yeah, thanks, Susan. I what, heard, do you, what do you have I heard you? early yeah. next year, so we have that long to convince them to not make this decision. <laughs> I don't know about that. That train has left the yeah. station, yeah. my friend. Susan, but, you, know uh, how you, you know how we get started with this, is you bake those cookies from We Energies. That would be and nice. That, that would be away. a nice oh, tribute. Keep him. I that would be a nice tribute. I, I'm proud of you, brother. It's yeah. awesome. Thanks. Thank Very you, friend. TMJ4 Morning News anchor Vince Petrano named the new host of Wisconsin's Morning News officially this morning. I'm so excited about this, and I think Vince is just going to be the absolute perfect person to slide into Gene's iconic shoes. Well, it's going to be interesting because you will be working directly with him. Yes. And um, I'm kind of excited because when I join on Mondays with Steve, I'll be able, I haven't seen Vince, and it's been a while. Sure. So it'll be fun to be able to interact with him and be on the same you know team absolutely i mean I, it's just it's it's just going to be fun and i he brings um let's put it this way <laughs> vince brings vince to the table and you'll understand what i'm talking about when vince takes it on gene brought gene to the table vince is just a he's cut from a little different he's cloth. just a little younger he's a little younger gene yeah and and he is funny 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 you will really enjoy him yeah you absolutely will i think that's the one draw that uh, radio may have is there's a little bit more looseness involved and there's a little bit more room for some silliness as co compared to television which i think is a little more restricted you know they certainly do banter and things like that but they don't get to do wacky bits and we no can, we, it's can, just, we can still do some wacky i bits. mean it's it's just not it's just not done when you're in the news business you know what i mean right so and you know i thought it was interesting the timing is so fascinating because now he's following like brian williams is leaving i just heard that this morning so he's going to be oh. taking a hike and see now we know what gene's going to do he's teaming up with brian williams for their own show <laughs> let's get that rumor started uh speaking of gene um our wtmj holiday radio show is back and uh, we've been talking about gene retiring so we are throwing him a legendary send-off it's called It's a Wonderful Career. Surprise guests. I've heard there are some special songs, all Gene-centric. We're going to have all your favorite WTMJ personalities sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. It's coming up quick Tuesday, November 30th at the Ingleside Hotel in Pewaukee. Tickets are on sale now, and they're going fast, quite honestly. And it all benefits the wonderful Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. Just head to WTMJ.com for more information. Or you can text the word tickets to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. 855-616-1620. We are going to go to break and be right back. Carolyn Jane on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Jane and Carol in for Jeff, who's back on Monday. Scott War is stepping in tomorrow and uh, Friday from noon to 3. Make sure you join him. Scott's a wonderful, wonderful human being. We've got news coming up in just a little bit. If you would like to stream the Kyle Rittenhouse trial live, you can certainly do so. Just text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. We continue to monitor proceedings uh, as they're going on this afternoon. Talking a little bit earlier this hour, today is the uh, anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald yes. on Lake Superior. 29 people on board, all of them perished. Uh, we have a text in from, my father was a young engineer for the micro-switch division of Honeywell and designed and built much of the instrumentation and navigation panel for the Edmund Fitzgerald. Wow. I have a picture in my archives of him standing in front of the control panel. Wow. That's impressive, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. And uh, we trying to catch up. We got so far, we have gotten so far behind with texts in the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, we did. They come. They've been coming in so fast and furious, which is a wonderful thing, and we're so grateful for that. Um, but I, I kind of like to do a little backup so we can sure kind of finish things off a little bit. We were talking earlier about the bobcat in Ozaki Cougar. Cougar. It's a cougar that they saw. They uh, verified that it was a cougar, and it was somebody's back. You know, motion. Motion camera? Yeah, and uh, it was in West Bend, and I was bringing up the fact that it's great. Like, I need more to worry about in Ozaukee County with my damn dogs. You know, I've got deer, I've got fox, I've got, you know, raccoons, coyotes. coyotes. Yeah, they're everywhere. Oh, and then we brought up porcupines. Yes. And uh, I follow some people on Twitter who have uh, sled, sled dogs, and that's a huge huge issue and they they can really do a lot of damage and someone texted in uh Dave from Germantown texted in I pulled over 380 quills out of our three dogs when we were up north after they thought they should play with the three porcupines that were in the yard. I had to pull ten from each dog at a time. The quills were in the roof of their mouths, in their gums, their nose, in between their toes. That's a really oh, serious thing. Oh, that's so thing. painful. I've seen this online, like on YouTube or whatever, how people take those out. Oh, Ooh, I can't even because, imagine. Well, let me ask you. So I thought, are they kind of like, like anaconda teeth where they're kind of like... Really they angle, are they kind of rigid you know at the point of entry so that it really does more damage pulling it are they just like a spear like plain i, think I don't they're know more like a spear from okay. what i could see i don't i don't know that's what it looked like to me yeah but they're big those porcupines oh, are yeah. big and nasty and very very nasty so yeah stay away and uh i give you a lot of credit for having i would have been crying if my dog had ever been full of quills, I don't think I would have been able to do anything but just sob and say, I'm sorry. I remember once, this is a bad thing, but there was a raccoon in our backyard that was clearly something was wrong with it. You know, and Beauregard, he's just dumb. He's just going and trying to play with it. And I'm like, no, forget, get over here. And so I had to call. This young policeman showed up and he's like, yeah, there's clearly something. We have to dispatch the animal. And he's like, don't. And I wa- I'm like, why are you looking at this? And all- I just saw the scope of the, he went and got his rifle. I saw the scope come around the outside and. Yeah. Goodbye, so, raccoon. So it's funny. Every time you guys talk about the cougars in West Bend, I think of like the older women dating younger men, the cougars. Oh. Hey, what do you think about are, that? Carol? Are they wandering uh, around? They're, they're wandering, wandering around, around in those cougars. Yes, <laughs> I'm telling you right now that a 35 year old comes sniffing around me, I'm going to give him some attention. <laughs> Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
Jeff is off till Monday. Carolyn Jane filling in today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just a couple of resets for you. If you want to watch coverage of the trial, a Kyle Rittenhouse trial going on in Kenosha, the text word is Kenosha. K-E-N-O-S-H-A. Text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line at 855-616-1620. We continue to monitor uh, the proceedings as they continue. If you are looking for somewhere to watch this weekend's Packers game, make sure you join our wonderful WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga. She's going to be at Fox's Pub in Greenfield. Dila will be there from three to six games, prizes, and much, much more. Also, some specials. Miller Light and Coors Light bottles for three and a quarter, two and a quarter for taps. When does that ever happen? It's the Miller Lite Packers watch party with our own WTMJ's Debbie Lazaga. Find out more online at WTMJ.com. This should be fun. Should be really fun. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the, the temperature of Lake Michigan is going to affect what's going to happen to us this winter. Well, what's interesting is that because we've had such a warm fall and we've really enjoyed it it's been beautiful yeah it's been great um but the national weather service said that on october 24th the lake surface was 61 degrees which is seven degrees warmer than normal as of the november 5th the temperature was still 56 degrees four degrees warmer than normal so what they're saying is it might have an effect on how much snow we get okay we're still going to get a winter there's no way around you know i know that there are some people that like to play ostrich and just pretend it's never going to happen never going to happen but it always but does it always does it always does get here but warm lake temperatures deep into the winter could mean warmer air temperatures near the shore resulting in more rain than snow well we're going to find out more from someone who knows tmg4 meteorologist marissa walls and thank you so much for joining us marissa so how bad is it going to be just lay it out for us and tell oh us. gosh oh that's such a pessimistic attitude when it comes to the winter it's never going to be too terrible of course we could we could uh, see all sorts of winters thrown at us but definitely looking at a warmer lake michigan uh this late in the season going into the winter months it could have some impacts now it could actually have two different impacts and you mentioned one of them here uh you know keeping the warmer lake temperatures could keep the air right close to lake michigan so if you live within say five or ten miles from the lake you have a better chance to see more rain so that includes all of you know downtown milwaukee but on the flip side if we had a storm system come through and we start to see the winds wrap around out of the northeast and the lake temperature is still warm what we could be looking at is uh, lake effect snow bands, like the ones that we see quite often, especially on the other side of the lake. You see all the time, unfortunately, those big pileups on 94 um, over in through Michigan because those narrow bands dump inches and inches of snow in a very short amount of time. So there's a potential for that. It all depends on kind of as what what the storm does as it moves through if we get those storms moving across the area. So definitely going to impact us. Marissa, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I always thought we were kind of lucky because at least in Milwaukee, we're a little bit more temperate because because we're next to the lake and we don't get as much ice storms like they do a little further to our south, like they do in Tennessee and, and some of those states where they're skidding out all over the place. And that so that concerns me a little bit if we get a lot more rain o- over the winter. Yeah, so the biggest problem, obviously, the, down with the ice storms, the biggest problem is that you have 
what are warm fronts that are moving up. The warm air goes over very cold temperatures at the surface that are at or below freezing. So it falls as rain, but then it hits that cold air, and then we have ice. The good news is actually for us here in Milwaukee, the lake would help us. If it does stay warm, it keeps the air temperature right near the surface where we all are uh, more likely above that freezing mark. So no matter if it came in and it was raining initially or if it was snowing initially, there's a higher chance that it would melt because the temperature would be above freezing. Okay, so is this just kind of like for our area, or does this apply to the entire coastline as you head up towards Door County when it comes to Lake Michigan? Uh, it will impact the entire coastline, um, especially, and I know um, up towards Door County, luckily, you know, more often than not, our weather comes in from the west, whether it be the northwest, west, or southwest. So more often than not, we're still going to get that cold air pushing in. We're still going to see the snow. I don't expect necessarily necessarily any, uh, you know, crazy impacts on snow levels because of the warmer Lake Michigan. Um, but again, if we have those storms that have the wraparound moisture, that cold air coming in from the northeast, we would see the impacts here. I definitely think, though, there's going to be more of an impact on the other side of the lake uh, where they could be looking at more unfortunately, uh, lake effect snow bands developing as the lake stays warmer uh, through the first part of winter. Okay, I got to ask you this. How did you become a weather nerd? Um, I, honestly, I, I it all started off with being afraid of severe thunderstorms. So I, I used to be so terrified. Um, it, I grew up in Michigan, used to be afraid, you know, when that, that terrible sound would go on the TV, that, you know, so sure. terrible. Um, and I used to be so afraid, but just how my mind works and how I really enjoy uh, learning, I always want to figure out why. So I just kind of worked my way, and then all of a sudden was like, I'm going to be a meteorologist. So that's kind of the short story with that a nice is, little bow on how I got here. That is so cool. What a great story, Marissa. Seriously. <laughs> and how do you... <laughs> How do you toughen up your skin? Because you guys get a lot of grief. Oh, yes. <laughs> we definitely get a lot of grief. Um, what I really love to do is, honestly, at this point, I think you just build it throughout the years. So um, a lot of stuff does not bug me, um, especially being a female meteorologist. It's usually appearance-based. I'm like, hello, I have a brain. <laughs> you know, I, I am a true meteorologist. Um, but a lot of times what I like to have fun with when people are like, man, it's a beautiful day, or, you know, thanks for that great, great day today. I'm always like, you are welcome. I make sure to, like, really <laughs> revel in those moments and be like yes it's because of us absolutely yes, exactly tmj4 meteorologist marissa wolzen it's been such a pleasure thank you so much thank for, you. for carving out some time for us no problem have a great day you guys you as well Bye. we got to go to break jane and carol carol and jane on wtmj this is jeff wagner on wtmj Carol and Jane, Jane and Carol, in for Jeff with you until 3 o'clock. Scott Warris will take over tomorrow from noon to 3 and Friday. Jeff will be back on Monday. We do continue monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which is going on in Kenosha. If you would like to stream it live, just text the word Kenosha, K-E-N-O-S-H-A. Text the word Kenosha to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Uh, Aaron Rodgers remains in the news. I know we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking no. about this. You know, a lot of the guys have, have and we certainly have uh, 94.5 ESPN, which is right down the hall from us, right, and I'm right. sure that uh, they've been talking about this quite a bit. But this is an angle that I hadn't heard until you brought it up. This is an onion that just keeps getting more and more oh. layers. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. So this can 
came through. Uh, there was a Daily Mail story that uh, Shane Lee Woodley, his fiance, his fiance took umbrage with, if you will. Um, they misidentified a man in Los Angeles as Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And so, but she called him out on it, and they did finally remove it. It was the wrong thing. But according to her, she went to Instagram, and she's like, literally, y'all, you need to calm down. This is straight up hilarious. She wrote in a three-part Instagram story, news outlets, saying this was, you know, the wrong guy. And, And she writes, I know Aaron's body very well. First off, his feet, and no offense to this random dude, are a lot bigger. Meow. (laughs) Which we all know, it's like, uh, really, that's where we're going? Well, first of all, this picture of this man that they identified as Aaron Rodgers, was he clothed? Yes. Okay. Right. So it's just some random dude who sort of looks like Aaron Rodgers, and they say this is Aaron Rodgers. They said that, you know, they were just calling him out, saying he's in Los Angeles, and she's like, no, and, you know, his feet are bigger, and that would mean, as we all know, that something else is, you know, and I'm like, do we really need to go there? I just, yeah, I can tell you this. My, Lou would look at me and go, you know what, I'll give you a lot, but we're going to stop that that right there. Stop talking about that. Well, I can see, yes, it's like, at this point, is that really helping him? You know, with all of the other issues we got going on, <laughs> no, is no. this really the best way to come to his defense? I just, his schmeckle is much bigger than that. I, I find that, <laughs> I find that a questionable defense. Well, I just think it's just ridiculous. You know, at some point in time, walk away. This is where social media is going to get you in trouble. Without a doubt. Walk away from it, put it down, and just let it go. So, I, I don't have any problem with you coming out going no that's not him trust me right that's all she had to say trust me right but to say you know his feet you know and no disparaging to this guy but aaron's feet are a lot bigger wink wink nudge nudge i don't care you know what if you're happy good for you and you know what good for you like that means right (laughs) yes but you know what i'm walking (laughs) away for you all i'm walking away from this is he pays more for his shoes. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, if your shoes are that much bigger, they must be that much more expensive. Good thing he's making a lot of money. Right, right. I mean, you don't see Giannis's girlfriend coming out and saying stuff like that. You know what I mean? Have, have you seen his shoes? Was, he gave one to Biden, didn't I, he? Yes. I was just like, wow. And I saw somebody say, what's he going to use that for, a planter? <laughs> Because they're gigantic. He's like a size 17 shoe. I don't know, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's you know. crazy. Once again, as long as you're happy, I'm thrilled for you. But I don't need to know this. Yes. And, and like you say, too, I think people cannot keep themselves from responding to social media and you end up digging a bigger hole. It's awful. Whatever happened to just saying nothing and moving on. Um, I don't know. Because this just continues to feed the narrative, and I don't think that it's helpful. I, I would think it wouldn't be for him, but, and I think he's well within his rights to say, my shoes Stop are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, check out my shoes. <laughs>
<laughs> oh. no. Good Lord. I just, just let him play football. Let him get back against the Seahawks. Let him start getting on the field again. Can we just move on and just let this baby go to rest? I don't know. There's a lot. There's still a lot of bad feelings out there oh, uh, about that. this. And it will be interesting to see if if he plays on Sunday and, and does an impressive, you know, and is his old Aaron Rodgers self, how much will be forgiven because of, of that? Winning, I, winning always seems to help with forgiveness. Winning does seem to help when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, but we, I, I think the state does really feel like the spurned girlfriend at this point. It's just like, why are you so mean to me? Why do you not just come and do what we're paying you a lot of money to do and just let the other stuff just just go fall, away? Fall to the just keep your mouth shut. All right. That message from Carol Kane and Jane Matnair. Uh, we are just about ready to wrap things up and turn things over to Wisconsin's Afternoon News. We'll be right back after this break on WTMJ. I'm going to give them some attention. <laughs>